My name is Patch, and we are back on the regular show this evening um, after a bonus show to end all bonus shows last night with a win for Bristol City. Uh, Rich, did you watch the game? No, Patrick, I didn't, because um, after cutting back on my Virgin Media, I forgot that I cancelled Sky Sports. So, um, yeah, I went to put it on, and the channel wasn't there. So oh, I, had to, I, had to, I had to kind of... Um, Rely on your WhatsApp group with minute to minute uh, updates. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I did. I saw the goals. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, your thoughts on the turnaround, Rich, just very quickly before we come off of football. I know that this is the non football show, but uh, it, it's going somewhere, believe me. So, Rich, how can, how can the same players turn around and put in that performance after being threes and fours maximum on Saturday and then Tuesday night? sevens and eights and nines i'm not i'm not going to mention any players individually but i do think there's a few players now who now nigel pearson has obviously been announced they can see this as a new beginning the whole the whole obviously dean holden was connected to lee johnson when he was here so i think now it's a clean break from the lee johnson kind of era i think a few players are really obviously taken up by the scruff of the neck and thinking i'm playing for my position now it's, it's a clean slate in it so mm. And obviously, we you know we hit Middlesbrough cold with three quick goals. So yeah. football's a final game, as Jimmy Greaves once said. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. And yesterday morning, I was on BBC Radio Bristol with our guest today, talking about the appointment of Nigel Pearson um, and James Hansen. It was very nice to talk to you yesterday morning. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Patch. Yeah, hi, Patch. Hi, Rich. Um, hi, yeah, James. it's very weird to be the interviewee for once on this occasion because normally I'm interviewing you patch about well we always seem to speak when there is a managerial change at ashton gates in particular i think we spoke in the summer when uh, when lee left and dean holden came in and um uh, and obviously we spoke most recently with with the appointment of nigel pearson which so far yeah. seems to be working out all right although of course how much credit you can really give to him for uh, what happened last night given he was really on a watching brief who knows but he you know was. he was absolutely good start and Hopefully, um, hopefully, next time we talk, it'll be about a famous win instead of a manager. Exactly, <laughs> indeed, yeah. Because of course, Rovers have had three managers in the last year. We don't want City necessarily to go that way. So, yeah. Well, Joey, Bar- Joey Barton's done a great job so far. So, uh, long, <laughs> long as he stays there, I'm more than happy. Impartiality, Rich, from James. I think you're exactly. Fine. I I cannot comment on any uh, internal. We had the conversation well, you, this week. You can now because you're you're on our show. So this is <laughs> well, not... that is true. That is true. Um, I should I should say for declaration of interest, I'm a Liverpool fan. I, I'm neither a City or a Rovers fan. Which, to be honest, given the no, job come, I do, I'm coming, love. I'm coming now. Yeah, show's finished. <laughs> <laughs> given the job I do, it's probably helpful because. Uh, yeah, if I was... Well, then, mind you, you know, Jeff manages it. You know, Jeff Twentyman, he's obviously got Rovers past, and yet, you know, I think he's got the respect of both sides of the city because, you know, they know he's rooting really for both clubs, as indeed am I, you know, from, from our perspective. If, if City and Rovers do well, that's, that's good for us. It's good for the city. I suppose, I suppose being a Liverpool fan, you enjoyed having that shirt for one season. Now you can, you, you can put it away again for another 30 years. It's very true. Well, I, I should really, I should really be a City fan because my uncle used to take me along to the games. He was a season ticket holder at Ashton Gate. And he had three daughters, none of whom had any interest in football. Uh, my older brother, no interest in football. So I was the last younger member of the family that he could try and indoctrinate as a City fan. And he took me along. And I remember we used to sit in 
Um, well, what is now the Lansdowne stand? But was it the William stand beforehand? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we used to sit in the William stand. And, and my most vivid memory of it was that the bloke next to us used to pass me Fox's Glacier Mints oh, throughout classics. the game. And I found that more interesting than City versus Wickham or whatever it was. And um, for some reason, I just never got in. I, I'd never... I never got hooked. And then I, I watched England on the TV and Michael Owen was playing and he played for Liverpool and the rest is history. But I think I yeah. severely let down my uncle at that moment. But it did make life going on to work for Radio Bristol a lot easier. OK, well, we're going to park football there because this is the one show of, of the now three shows that we do on Three Peeps in a Podcast that isn't football related. So we'll park it there. So back in June 2020 we had Emma Britton on uh talking about the, the the BBC Radio Bristol breakfast show how she got into radio um and at that point we were unaware that uh, a few months down the line she was going to be hanging up her, her breakfast radio microphone um and the person that stepped into that hot that void at the moment is James Hansen it is yeah I mean Emma Emma it was such a brilliant, um, well, first of all, friend and colleague. I mean, really, I, I have worked with her for most of my radio career because when I started out at the BBC, I worked with her at BBC Radio Somerset in Taunton. And I used to make her tea and read her travel news. And so she she has been the biggest influence, basically, on my career. Um, and, and she just fancied a complete change, really. You know, I think she'd been getting up at the crack of dawn to do breakfast shows, first at Somerset, then at Bristol for so long. And I think she fancied a complete change and she's gone off and she's trained as a civil celebrant and she's loving that. And it's one of the few things that you can actually go out and do still at the moment. You can still go out and sort of officiate funerals and, and stuff like that. So she's she's really finding that rewarding. And I think, you know, I've spoken to her a fair bit in the last few few weeks and she seems to be really enjoying that. But yes, they have asked me for the time being, at least we don't know quite how long it'll last, but to sort of step in um, and um, touch wood at the moment. I'm enjoying it. I haven't destroyed the equipment i haven't sworn on air yet um i did say it was january yesterday even though it's february but um <laughs> that was quite early in the morning and i, I think i got away with this is it just a, a, a contract to the end of the season then is it <laughs> yeah I, i'm basically nigel pearson i am the nigel pearson of bbc radio bristol i'm just gonna hope that you know we don't get relegated let's go let's go back um before radio somerset uh james hansen growing up where 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 was home for you uh, Nailsy was home for me, uh, born in Bristol, uh, grew up in Nailsy. I mean, technically the first sort of year of my life, we lived in Clevedon, but then we, we moved to Nailsy. Okay. And then education wise, did you go down the media route at all? No. Well, I, I went to, um, I went to university in Leeds, um, and I studied politics actually, um, partly because I thought, well, I knew, I kind of knew I wanted to do radio. And one of the reasons that I was really keen to go to Leeds is they had a really good student radio station. So that was always in the back of my mind. But I did think, well, what if what if no radio station wants me? I've got to have something else. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll do politics because I've always been interested in, in politics. So I, I did that as my degree. But the big thing for me was always doing student radio. So I did loads of um, student radio in Leeds and just just did everything really there. Because the great thing about student radio is they've got shows about everything. So I you know, did comedy shows and politics shows and sports shows and just just everything, really. Do we, do we know of anybody else who's come from uh, Student Radio of Leeds that have, uh, has moved on to bigger things? Did Chris Mills, uh, did he cut his teeth there or is that? Well, not, not Student Radio, but he is from Leeds originally. And I think yeah. he did a lot of, I think, 
I think he might have started out on like Radio Air was the big commercial station there. I don't know whether he worked for them specifically, but but yeah, he he worked um, he worked for. And there are people who who had come through Leeds Student Radio and gone on to make a bit of a name for themselves in the media. Um, I think I think one of them was you know Georgie Thompson who went on to be a Sky yeah, Sports yeah. presenter. She she did um, LSR as it was called Leeds Student Radio. Um, so um, I, I think I think. You know, it was definitely a really good student radio station. And um, we kept losing out every year at the Student Radio Awards to Nottingham Radio. They would always beat us, but we always yeah, like to think we were like the second best. And where did your passion come from with, with radio? Was it just something that you, you sort of gained from your parents or was it just the time of your life? How did, the, how did your passion of radio develop? I don't know. It's a really interesting one. I mean, I, I do vividly remember driving in the car listening to GWR and I think it was the morning crew. They used, before Bush and Troy, it was um, Howard, I think it was, and Vicky and yeah. Joe the Fridge McGrath, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, remember. I remember that. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember much of their show now because I was quite young at the time. But I just remember being fascinated by it. I thought you'd be more of a late night love with uh, Dave Parrott, man. <laughs> with Graham Torrington. <laughs> well, it was Dave Barrett in my day and then Graham Oh, Torrington, Dave Barrett and then Graham Torrington. That was, yeah. That was a while ago, that was. But yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I vividly remember that. And just, I think I remember just having a lot of questions about it and being fascinated by it. So I remember asking like my mum, so, so when they're playing songs, are there like bands in the studio playing or is that like them playing a, a CD or a cassette? Um, and then there were just people who I loved listening to growing up. I, I mean, I loved and I still love Steve Wright on Radio 2. I found his show fascinating and, and the way, just the way he kind of does a show. I remember listening a lot to Late Night Radio when I got a bit older and James Whale when he was on Talk Sport and um, Richard Bacon had a late night show on Five Live for a time that I used to love. Um, and I, I just always found it fascinating. And, and as a kid as well, I used to, what I used to say, play radio stations in my bedroom. I was that sad kid and I would sit there um, behind my computer pretending to be on the radio playing songs off my computer and you know the the caps lock key on your keyboard mm, yeah. and if you press it the little green light comes on i used to pretend that was my microphone so if i hit it i was on air and if i hit it off again i was off air and i used to get really annoyed if i made a mistake and i was broadcasting to no one i wasn't very technologically astute so i wasn't recording anything i mean these days i suppose i'd be making a podcast or you know broadcasting on an online station in those days that wasn't around so much and I, and I wasn't technologically astute enough to do it um but yeah I just sat there in my bedroom in the holidays pretending to be on air but I don't know how old you are James but I wouldn't ask it's a private question but um <laughs> Tw 28 a youngster I, I think <laughs> growing up in my obviously the 80s like myself like you mentioned Steve Wright they, they were bona fide celebrities, weren't they, on the yeah. road? And they, like, no, your road shows, they obviously did Tom the Pots things. They were proper celebrities, weren't they? They were. And you don't get that so much these days. Um, I mean, there are, you know, still big household names on the radio, Chris Evans, um, Chris Moyles, people like that. Um, but I think, I think that's partly because, I don't know, I mean, Radio 1 is a very different beast these days because, of course, Radio 1 in the 80s was, was the nation station. It was the big station, probably in the way that Radio 2 is now, because Radio 2 was far more old-fashioned it was what your grand listened to it was and radio one was a very broad it kind of catered for everything from 
kind of the young people all the way through to kind of your mum could listen to it and you had older DJs on and it, it was a bit broader in its music policy and its style whereas now it is clearly 16 to 24 and that's not to say older people don't listen to it but it is clearly more youth orientated and Radio 2 at the same time has become a bit broader and a bit more mainstream um, but yes yeah, it's, it's funny how how you don't get the household names to the same extent as you used to no, it's like, you say, it's like you say, radio, they seem to stick to radio and ITV. Have, no, ITV, they have their own family. It's the same people, isn't it? You've Schofield, your aunt and Dick. Yeah. It's the same kind of family and they kind of do that. So yeah, there's no kind of crossover anymore, is there? Really like... What, no. What I, what I find now is that, that people go into radio, like the national radio, after they've made it somewhere else. So yeah. there's a lot of people that that go into being, you know, do, doing DJing and things like that that have made that have made their name somewhere else. Whereas back in the '80s, Rich, it was they made their name in radio. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. I mean, you look at who who, you know, Amanda Holden does Heart Breakfast now. Now, you know, she's very good at it, but she's not from a radio background. No. Um, you look at some of the people Radio Two have have appointed in recent years: Claudia Winkleman, Rylan. Uh, Mark Wright, you know, they're all really good at what they do. I'm not knocking them, but they're not from a traditional radio background. And I think, to be honest, you always need a mix. You know, you need people who maybe come from outside because they bring profile with them and they bring an audience with them. But, you know, there are also people, you know, who back in the day, you know, one of my heroes is Kenny Everett. Mm. And yeah, legend. He started out on the radio and he he was, a, you know, even though he was brilliant on the TV, you know, he was radio through and through and he was so creative and I worry sometimes that you, or someone like Ken Bruce, the absolute legend on, on Radio 2, but it, you know, he's not a conventional big name and yet he's loved by millions of people. So I think you need a mix of, you know, people who've made their name outside of radio and people who've come through the ranks. Now, when we got this equipment that you can see, but the, the listeners can't, um, so we, we're lucky enough to have a sponsor on the bonus show, the Bristol City Show, um, and we managed to get some equipment. So the first thing we did when we got this equipment with the pop filter, the microphone on the arm and everything, is you automatically turn into Alan Partridge. How do you, how do you avoid doing that? Oh, well, uh, some might say I don't. I mean, <laughs> I, think, I think it's one of those things that you just have to have in the back of your head or the, especially on local radio you've just and the, the thing is there's such a fine line between doing something with a kind of slight knowingness and because sometimes sometimes there are some stories that are really entertaining but if done wrong can turn into massive I mean we had one the other week that um someone said oh there's this bloke near Bath who has started um selling horse milk do you want to chat to him <laughs> And we're like, yeah, I've got so many questions. Like, how do, how do you milk a horse? <laughs> what does it taste like? Do people want to buy it? How much does it go for? And that is interesting, but that can, if you're not careful, get into partridge territory. So I you're think listening half... to this morning's farmer. <laughs> yeah, well, completely. So I think half of the battle is, is just being aware of that and just, you know, it's like that. Uh, I don't know if you, you follow that Twitter feed, um, Accidental Partridge. Oh, yeah. Where yeah. They kind of clip out, often from daytime TV or radio, sometimes people who channel the inner partridge they've got in themselves. Richard and, Madeley. And the, Richard Madeley oh, is it, yeah. Richard Madeley is a, is a case in point. Um, and I think half the time, it's they don't know they're doing it. And I think if you are, 
if you're aware of it, if you're doing it with a bit of a wink, then you can get away with it. But it's when you're doing it unknowingly that I think is is the issue. But it, it is a it's something that if you work in local radio, mm. Partridge is like the ghost that follows you around. I think I think whereas Patch might go Partridge, I I kind of always go like that. Hello, welcome to. I kind of my, yeah. I, f- I feel as if my voice needs to do that. Oh, and that and that and that happens. On the phone. <laughs> yeah, and it's a real danger. Chris I mean, oh, Chris Tarrant massively, and and although mind you, he just seems to talk like that all yeah. the time now that's yeah. just his voice um and and that can happen as well and, and to be honest that's not a good thing to, to put on a radio voice because you just got to be yourself on the radio but it's hard I mean it is yeah. I, I listen back to myself now when I was on student radio and I, and I was sort of putting on a voice not necessarily knowingly but you just go into a mode and and I think everyone tweaks their voice ever so slightly it's trying to, it's trying to jolly up and it? it's trying to yeah you want to be upbeat you know I might be feeling a bit more groggy in the morning than I try to let on sometimes because it's your job to be a bit upbeat and that that's fine but yeah it's always a danger you, you don't want to you don't want to kind of fake it as it were so you did a politics degree and you're doing a bit of student radio on the side yeah uh, how did you find yourself at Radio Somerset well, that was a bit of luck, really, because when I was at student radio, um, one day I was in the sort of little office we had, and um, this bloke comes in and goes, oh, I used to be a student here. Can I can I have a look around? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I kind of showed him around as much as there was anything to show. There was an office room, a tiny little booth. We used to record stuff and a, and a studio. So I showed him around and I said, you know, oh, you know, who are you? Where did you come from? And and he said that he was a chap called Ben McGrail, who at the time was doing the drive time show on BBC Radio Somerset. And I said, oh, OK, that's interesting. And I thought, contact, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. <laughs> nice and cool, so nice was, and cool. Yeah, indeed. So I, I you know, I said, you know, I'm, I'm from Nailsy, it's not a million miles away from Taunton. And, you know, uh, can I exchange details and whatever? And, and thought no more of it until a year later, I was coming towards the end of my degree and thinking okay big bad world is looming out there I want to get into radio but there's no immediate prospect of it so I emailed him and said look any any shifts going any any in at at Radio Somerset and and he said well you know I could maybe get you in on a week of shadowing and I'm there thinking oh you know shadowing I I need I need a paid gig really but I had nothing better to do and I thought well I can drive down every day from from Nail Z I'll I'll do a week of it and it may lead to something and sure enough after the week they said do you want to come in and do some shifts and we'll, we'll pay you and we'll do, you know, I only met, you know, started making the tea and reading the travel news and answering the phones, but I had my foot in the door and it, it went from there. That's fantastic. Um, in terms of the, the, the migration from Radio Somerset to Radio Bristol, I mean, in the past, they explain to, to the listeners the difference between Radio Bristol and Radio Somerset because you know I obviously listen to the football on the radio sometimes they say this one's on Radio Somerset this one's on this frequency what is the relationship? It's a very interesting one because originally Radio Bristol has been around a lot longer than Radio Somerset because Radio Bristol was set up we had our 50th, 50th anniversary yeah. last year so 1970 and we used to cover basically the whole of the West, even kind of into Wiltshire and parts of Gloucestershire and, and all of Somerset. And our transmitter is what is now Radio Somerset's FM transmitter on the top of the Mendips near Wells on 95.5 FM. And so we had, and that transmitter goes all over the place. When I was at Radio Somerset, we used to have people emailing us from France and Finland. I mean, that goes all over the place. So Radio Bristol could be heard all over. And, you know, you just kind of covered Somerset as part of being on Radio Bristol. And then it kind of got to the late 80s and 
I think the BBC realised they were expanding local radio, that Somerset needed a dedicated service. So they launched what was then called Somerset Sound as a kind of opt out from Radio Bristol. So they had their own breakfast show, I think, but then came back to Bristol for the rest of the programmes during the day. And slowly but surely, they increased their programming. Um, when I joined Radio Somerset, they had their own breakfast show, mid-morning show and drive show. And in the afternoon, they took um, Steve Yapsley and Claire Kavanagh at the time doing the afternoon shows. Um, and now Somerset, are basically, apart from sport and apart from exceptional occasions, I think they had an issue the other week and they had to join my breakfast show for a couple of hours. But normally they, they are independent now and um, have really grown as a station and they're a, they're a great station. But, um, you know, other than obviously they serve a different patch there, the kind of old Somerset area. We, we do North Somerset still. So, you know, everything up from Western Supermare and including Western Supermare is ours and Bath is ours. Um, uh, but I think also there is a, a difference in tone, you know, because we are a city station. And yes, a lot of the areas around Bristol are not in the city, but, but the centre of gravity is Bristol and it's a busier area in terms of stuff that's going on. Somerset is obviously a rural area. And so... I think the tone of the station is, is subtly different. I think it's a slightly pacier station on Bristol, as it should be, because every every local radio station will, will have to reflect where it is, you know? Mm, absolutely. Is there is there no radio bath? I just thought that is, is there no radio no. bath? No. <laughs> yeah. No, there's not. And it's an interesting one because it's um it, it's in a way on the fringes of three different local radio stations you know we we are really the station that owns it as it were um and we we do still have a, a studio in bath although it's not um it's not we don't really broadcast programs from there and, and it may not be around for that much longer but it, it's used for um ali vows uses it a lot when she does tv reporting as a kind of points west base um and often guests will go in there if they're if they're based in the city um but wiltshire cover a lot of bath stories because you know there's a lot going on there somerset do as well it, it's sort of between but of course the issue with bath and it's a beautiful city and we do have a lot of listeners there but the, it is the kind of city where they are mainly listening to radio four not not radio bristol and and not other radio stations and you know they're a very educated crowd. It's it's a lovely city, but what maybe what they're looking for is a documentary about you know uh, Nicaraguan art and literature. Art and literature. Yes, indeed. <laughs> well, me and you, Patch, we kind of well, I still live here. You live, moved a bit, Patch. We we grew up kind of literally in the middle of between Bath and Bristol. Don't we? Yeah, literally yeah. eight miles. Where where's that Canesham or well, Longwell Green? So yeah, oh, Longwell Green. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So that's literally yeah, bang in the middle of both. Mm. Yeah. So that, that's why that's why, I'm, that's why I'm half educated. Here's a question for you about Longwell Green, because I was having this debate with someone the other day, because my, um, my uncle and aunt live in, well, warmly, they would say, but Bars Court at the same time. No, the I, I, live, the... I live in Bars Court. I literally, oh, do you? Yeah, that's my address. Yeah, Bars Court. Oh, amazing. Pa well, Palmer's Close, Bars Court. Oh, you literally around the corner, because they're Fountains Drive. Um, oh, yeah, so so they're... yeah, literally the next one. Yeah. Through um, the oh, small world. So the big, the big Asda... Yep. Do you say that is Longwell Green, Bars Court, or Warmley? Longwell Green. I say Longwell Green. Longwell Green. Well, because we, we had a bloke on a few years ago who <laughs> was launching a campaign to get the signage changed because he was saying that oh I, I live in Bars Court and I'm proud to live in Bars Court and yet Asda put Longwell Green on the sign and other people were calling and going, no, but it's in Warmley. Well, it's not really in Warmley. It's kind of Bars Court. But then, yeah, so. That's well, that, that, is the, that is the thing with this area because... Like literally down the road, you've got Cabri Heath, and then Cabri Heath, yeah. Then, it, yeah. then it's got then you've got North Common, then you've got there's so many different yeah. areas 
like literally streets away from each other. Yeah, yeah. No, it's well, funny. I don't know the history, but basketball hasn't been around for anywhere near as long as Longmore Green. That might be a part of the reason because no one, mm. not a lot of people would know where Boris Court was. Well, the house and estate was built, what, 88, I think it was. Obviously, Boris Court, the moat and that was always, that's always yeah, been there. But yeah, no, yeah. as a, as a, obviously it's a massive gallery, a retail park now. So yeah, mm. Longmore Green existed long before that. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, before we come on to your time at Radio Bristol and some of the some of the epic stories, as I'm sure you've covered, uh, our previous a previous guest that were renamed nameless um, asked me to ask you about when you went to Wogan House um, and sat in his studio chair and ask him about the TCP cupboard. Oh, very good. Yes. Well, um, so yeah, I went to I went to I've been to Wogan House on a couple of occasions, which is where. Radio 2 is based and Six Music as well. And you can imagine, as a bit of a radio geek, I was geeking out there. But I tell you what, actually, it's very interesting because um, a friend and colleague of mine at the BBC sh showed me round um, the BBC in London one day. And um, he took me up to the top floor of New Broadcasting House where Radio 1 are based. And he, he tried to sneak me in. But if you work in that building, unless you are sort of very closely connected to Radio 1, your pass, the only bit of the building, the pass won't let you in is Radio 1. They like to keep a kind of exclusive feel. And he tried to sneak me in, but it wouldn't work. And just looking down the corridor, I could tell that Radio 1 was the kind of place, and look, it's a great station, but I got the feeling that my jeans weren't skinny and fashionable enough for it, that <laughs> I didn't have the right coffee order to go in there. I, you know, I wasn't indie enough to be, you know what I mean? I go into Radio 2 and it felt like putting on a, a comfy pair of slippers. Jeremy Vine is, is walking past with a, an old Sainsbury's bag full of his lunch. Um, no one is batting an eyelid that here's some randomer from Bristol who is just sort of padding around the biggest radio station in Europe. And it was so homely and, and lovely. Um, and so I got to sit in the chair where um, uh, Chris Evans at the time was doing his breakfast show. And then the, the TCP cupboard. Um, we went into um, Steve Wright's studio, who is probably, along with Kenny Everett, my big radio hero. And we wouldn't have been allowed in Steve Wright's studio if it wasn't for the fact that he was off that week and Gary Davis was sitting in. So we were in Steve Wright's studio and he does have a cupboard in the corner of his... I mean, Steve Wright's absolute legend and radio genius, I would say, but a very private man. And he has a cupboard in the corner of his studio which when he goes rumor has it has stocks of tcp in it which he gargles with before each show to preserve his very dulcet tones oh, wow. and um we don't know for certain if there's tcp in it because every time he goes away so secretive he is that he puts fresh masking tape over the cup corners of it to check if anyone has gone in in his absence so <laughs> there I am in it and I think oh I better just check if the masking tape is there yes it is um I mean who knows if it really is TCP in there it, it could be maybe that's where Mr Angry's living now I don't know but um oh, yeah God. so it was it was quite something to be in that studio I did wonder where that story was going when 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 they said ask about the TCP cupboard I'm not quite sure <laughs> what was going on there but uh there we go uh so Radio Bristol obviously now you're hosting the breakfast show what was your slot before that um, I did Saturday. Um, well, when I joined Radio Bristol, I didn't have a regular show. I was just kind of doing reporting and producing and behind the scenes. And then after a couple of years, they gave me a Saturday lunchtime show. Um, and that was originally 12 until 1, just an hour. And then they extended that by an hour to make it 12 until 2. And then they moved me to Saturday mornings. And then the pandemic came along and they kind of rejigged all the schedules because they made all the shows four hours long. 
Um, that was across all of local radio. So then I did Saturday evenings for a time and kind of various things. And, and now, I'm, now I'm doing breakfast. So you've got three very different audiences there as well, haven't you? Yeah, massively, because Saturday night, I, I actually loved doing, it was only for a few months I did Saturday night last year, but I loved it because, I mean, I, I'm not sure I'd want to do Saturday night necessarily all the time but in a pandemic when you can't go out on a Saturday night it was great and we did like a we used to call it the stay at home disco um between nine and ten and it was just kind of you know have a boogie at home text in you know where you're listening from are you having a drink that kind of stuff and it was just a chance to kind of feel a bit like we were doing something vaguely normal mm. in these very strange times and and I love that because I, I love disco music it's you know I'm not a child of the 70s but I feel like I should be spiritually so I, I loved it um and that was great fun. And then Saturday morning, Saturday lunchtime is a bit different because um, it's kind of a weekend vibe. It's a bit more chilled, a lot of music, some kind of celebrity interviews. We used to have some comedy characters and, you know, try and be a bit kind of lighthearted and jovial and stuff. And then obviously breakfast is a bit of a mix because you have you've got to cover the news, the local news. But equally, we do play music and we don't want you know, we're not we're not trying to be Radio 4 you know, we're very much not trying to be that, you know, we don't want to be a parochial answer to the Today programme. If you want to listen to the Today programme, it's brilliant, go and listen to it. You know, we're here for local people who want to find out what's happening locally, but also be cheered up, have a bit of companionship, have some good music. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's a, breakfast is a, is a funny mix, but it's, it's a great mix. Everyone reacted very differently to the pandemic. Um, I buried my head in the sand a little bit, wouldn't watch, live tv would never watch the broadcasts obviously as a radio station i know you've got a job to do to keep people up to date with what's going on um whether that's every half an hour or every hour on the hour um but i just i just found in the last nine months that every time i switch on the radio i hear the word coronavirus or something straight away is i just was just wondering is there an opportunity of of having like a COVID free day on the radio, at least so that you, yeah, because I, I put it on Facebook a few weeks ago, I switched the radio on and it was COVID within two minutes, yeah, yeah. within two minutes. And it was a negative story. I know what you mean. And it's a, it's a very fair point. And it's a real challenge, I think, for us and, and for all the media, really, about how, how do you approach COVID? Because I think you're right. You know, so many people, and we find it ourselves, we say, Oh, do we have to talk about COVID tomorrow? And it, it's difficult because, you know, we, we do have to report the news and what's going on. And, you know, if Boris makes his big announcement, as he did on Monday, about easing of lockdown, that's massive. You know, it affects all our lives. We do have to reflect yeah. that. But at the same time, people are fed up of hearing about it. It can be very depressing. And I, I think partly it's, partly it's how you do it in terms of, you know, we don't really want to do here are the latest numbers, isn't it depressing? Mm. Because mm. everyone's over that. But if it's, you know, the vaccine rollout is progressing oh, and let absolutely. it be, that's really positive, you know? So there's a there's a way of, how can you talk about it that, that still cheers people up a bit or, or, or that isn't just completely doom and gloom? But I, I also think it is massively important sometimes to go, you know what, here's a story about milking horses. Exactly. You know? Because it's it's not COVID. Um, and, and I think that, I, I think, all of the media has been guilty of going too hard on COVID because it is, I mean, it is the one story in town. And it, the other thing is it dominates literally everything because it's very hard to talk about sport without talking about the fact there's no fans in there. It's very difficult to talk about TV without talking about the fact that all they're talking about is COVID and all the kind of live TV on Saturday night doesn't have an audience and is all affected. And that, you know, 
almost everything is affected by COVID in one way, shape, but it's, it's such a good point. And I think we just have to constantly keep challenging ourselves of let's not do it any more than we absolutely have to. Mm. And when we do do it, let's try and do it in a way that doesn't just depress people. And it's yeah, I've got a positive slant on it. I, I, I going back, uh, back six months, someone started a Twitter feed called coronavirus. Good news. I subscribed to that and it was only positive stuff. Like yeah. the, vac- the vaccine's been tested, it's showing this amount of uh, efficacy, et cetera. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, it's just a point I wanted to bring up bring up with you and, and get what your thoughts are. But yeah. No, it, it I, I think you're absolutely right. And, and I think, you know, one of the things we, we've done in the last year that has worked quite well is we do every hour um, on The Breakfast Show, I think every hour on pretty much every show, we do something called Make a Difference, where we talk about people who are doing something good at the mm. moment, basically. Um, and often it is COVID related in terms of it might be, you know, someone who's doing a fundraiser for NHS charities. It could be um, someone who's, you know, baking for NHS staff or, or, or anything like that, just because it's a way of talking about it in a way that is positive and uplifting and not just depressing. But I, I think you're absolutely right, Patch. I, I think, you know, oh, I'm fed up of talking about COVID. You know, the day the day we can just go back to having a row about, you know, council tax or something. Oh, don't, well, don't, don't fret because in a minute we'll come to Rich's rant and uh, and the room of doom. So there'll be plenty <laughs> well, of that. I was going to say, it'd be interesting because obviously now Brexit's happened and coronavirus is, what, six months away? Yeah, what's going to be the story? Be, yeah, what would be the next big thing? Well, exactly. And in a way, you know, Brexit and then COVID are unusual stories because they have dominated so much. I mean, we had exactly the same issue with Brexit, that people were fed up of hearing about it. And wherever you stood on the debate, people, a lot of people just did not want to hear any more about it. Um, And then, of course, COVID came along. And and very, very briefly, I mean, this window was about two weeks, but very briefly, people go, well, at least we've got something other than Brexit to talk about. Well, (laughs) that's out the window. And then there was a short time just before New Year this year when Brexit was back in the news because of the trade deal. And some people were like, isn't it nice we've got Brexit to talk about again instead of COVID? So hopefully, you know, most news stories, even big news stories, don't dominate in the way that Brexit and COVID did. So, you know, hopefully we'll get back to normality when there's a different big story every day. Well, yeah, Brexit was was more or less swept under the carpet with with COVID coming over the yeah. top of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you've covered lots of lots of stories, as we said. Some some really serious ones, like recently the Avonmouth explosion. Yeah. Um, how how have you had to adapt and tailor your voice approach, feel with the various stories? So let's talk about the Avonmouth one first. Yeah, well, that's a very interesting one. I mean, it's a really tough on that because. You're very conscious when you do that, that the me- people don't like the media being seen to be like flies, kind of, you know, go, or being like, um, what the bird's called? Um, the kind of swoop in vultures. and vultures, you know what I mean? Oh, here, here's something really horrific that's happened and, and the vultures swoop in just to get, you know, some, some clickbait or, or some mm. news coverage. But I think I think that's where local radio and local media has a big role because you know we're from these communities. You know we we know people who who work at Avonmouth or live in Avonmouth, and, and you know we understand its role in the region and, and how important it is. And and we're not just some journalist from London coming in to you know file a piece that, that gets a shocking headline or whatever. Um, but it is difficult because you know especially with Avonmouth because we I was actually producing that day. I was producing our John Darvill's program mid morning and. Um, we didn't have a reporter on duty that day. So I said to my boss, look, I'll go straight down after the, the, the show if you want me to. 
because we needed some, you know, we have to be there. We're Radio Bristol. You know, it's a massive incident. We have to be there because that's what people will want to know. And um, difficult when you first get down there because, of course, nothing's confirmed. You know, you can tell it's it's horrific and you can tell that something really serious has happened and it, and it really doesn't look good. But there were no com there wasn't confirmation of fatalities to begin with. Um, and you have to be very careful with your language because you don't want to sensationalize it and fear monger. You know, you don't want anyone who's got a loved one who works in Avonmouth to, to worry for their safety. But at the same time, you need to be accurate and you need to convey the information you've got. And you, you've just got to be honest. You know, you've got to say to the, the listeners, look, we haven't got that much information at the moment. Here's what the authorities have told us. Keep listening to Radio Bristol. We will bring you the news as and when we get it. And people understand that, you know, but it, it is, it is tough with those ones. And, you know, I, I was there until 6 or 7 p.m. on the, I think it was a Thursday evening it happened, or Thursday it happened, and I was there on the Thursday evening and and then was back there, crack of dawn on the Friday morning. And, um, yeah, it, it, it's a tough one, that that kind of stuff. But, and then you also get in local radio, as, as, as you kind of mentioned, complete polar opposites. You get ridiculous stories when they're just a complete laugh, almost a sort of slightly partridge-esque ones, yeah. where your tone of voice and your approach to it is completely different. So mm. you just have to take them all as they come, really. Just going back to the that even mouth. Uh, piece and the the fact that you didn't have any information is that a value of radio bristol because the other night with uh dean holden getting the sack sorry to go back to football listeners um everyone else was reporting it talk sport reported it sky sports reported it radio bristol would not i think it was um who was it? Ed Hadwin, I think, down yeah. in the touchline. He 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 wouldn't say, look, I've not heard it from the horse's mouth, so we're not yeah. going to confirm it. Is, is that a value of, of BBC or Radio Bristol that until it's black and white, we're not going to sensationalise and talk about it? it? It's certainly a BBC thing that we need. Um, we need confirmation, essentially, or we need, we need it from several sources. Um, now, you know, with, with stuff like Avonmouth, we, we get it at the same time as everyone else because the police will just issue a statement saying we can confirm this number of people have died or whatever. And, and the moment that gets released, every radio station, every news outlet has that, and then you can report it. With, with something like a sacking of a manager, what TalkSport can do, and, and they're absolutely entitled to do it, is to go, TalkSport understands Dean Holden has been sacked. Now, we will never say understands because... Mm. People will take that as gospel. And, and you might remember back in the summer, Talk Sports said Chris Uton had, had agreed to take the job. So, yeah. you know, there's a reason we do it because we don't want to be. And every time you, you do it and get it slightly wrong, it just chips away the trust a little bit. Yeah, and even 100%. if it's just over a manager being appointed. So we do have a kind of higher bar, um, which sometimes can be frustrating because it can be very apparent what the story is. But you just have to wait a little bit sometimes. Um, OK, so. Oh, sorry, Rich, I thought you were going to jump in with a question. Well, there. no, I was just going to say, um, back to that Avonmouth thing, I had a, a close friend whose brother was actually one of the guys who unfortunately died in that accident. So, yeah, I'm uh, glad I'm so sorry. But yeah, but it was, um, but yeah, like you say, it's a, that, it's a community story. So you can, you need to be, yeah, very, you need to get the full yeah. facts, yeah, the full facts before you do uh, error stuff, mm. which is correct. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that, you know, it's just getting that balance right, really, of, of, not using it as a chance to kind of you know sensationalize or anything but but just just reflecting the reality because people will be concerned and want to know um and it's a chance for the community to you know 
come together and have its say and, yeah. um, you know, give an opportunity to bounce back, you know? Mm. Partridge term. Um, <laughs> indeed, indeed, yes. <laughs> Bouncing so, back. <laughs> I've bounced back. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, let's go, let's go lighthearted now. Um, what can you tell me about the Bedford, a Bedford rascal? Oh, a Bedford rascal. Well, that was a lovely story, actually, because this, this is a funny one. We, we got, this was quite early in my Radio Bristol career when I was mainly Emma Britton's, what we used to call radio car reporter, when you'd go out and about in the little satellite van every morning and report on stuff. And, and Emma had a, a couple on her show whose daughter, um, or was the mum who was on, whose daughter was getting married and um, her dad used to her late dad used to drive um a bedford rascal van and her daughter had been asking constantly can i go to the wedding can my wedding car be a bedford rascal was a kind of tribute to dad and they couldn't find a bedford rascal for love nor money so they came on emma's show and said you know um uh can anyone help us find a bedford rascal and we did actually find a bloke in Hannam had one and we did a big kind of handover on air of, look, we found this bloke who's got a Bedford Rascal and there were a few hitches because he was like, well, it hasn't actually run in about five years and we need to get an MOT and all this kind of stuff. But we're like, it's great. And it's in white, perfect for a wedding, brilliant. And I was kind of in charge of Bedford Rascal. And so I was kind of pestering this bloke, please get this MOT because we do need to know that it's serve, you know, it needs to be roadworthy, it needs to be taxed. Um, you know, it's got to be legit. And we can't, we've promised on air now, this couple, a Bedford Rascal. Not that the daughter and her partner knew about this, by the way, only, only right. the mum and her new husband knew. But um, anyway, long story short, about like the day before we were due to hand it over on air, they were getting married on the Sunday. We were going to do a big handover on air on the Friday. On the Thursday, it basically fails this MOT and, and it's going to take weeks to repair. So I'm there on Thursday afternoon in Bristol going, I've... I'm missing a Bedford Rascal. Well, <laughs> I, <laughs> my life flashed before my eyes. Um, and anyway, long story short, I don't know how, but we managed to find a bloke in Bedford, of all places, who had a Bedford Rascal. So I had to <laughs> schlep off to Bedford on the train. And then he met me at Bedford Station. He handed over the Bedford Rascal. I had to drive it back through. On, it, was, it, was, it, goes so, it went so slowly and was so old. I had to take it on all the minor routes through Bedfordshire and, you know, all the way back. And it actually started snowing overnight. And I, I thought this is like a metaphor for how difficult getting this Bedford Rascal has been. But we ended up handing it over and um, they loved it. And, and the bride wasn't expecting it until it got handed over on the Sunday and she got picked up in it. And, you know, it absolutely made her wedding day. And, and it was one of those little things that kind of, you know, only local radio would do. You know, Heart are brilliant. They're a great station, but heart would not do that because that's not what they do but local radio can do that and it was it was lovely fantastic what a great story okay we're going to come on to some of our our regular segments now so uh rich as regular listeners will know is a professional ranter so uh rich what what have you got to rant about this week ranting this week patrick virgin media oh um, as we discussed recently i was because i'm now um like now subscribing to your uh now you have Netflixes and Amazons and Disney's. I was cutting back on Virgin, yeah. So I didn't you know a lot of channels that I didn't use. So I went for the whole what half hour conversation of th- them trying to talk me into not. I just I literally backscaling down to the, the basic Virgin, yeah. So like the minimum mm. cha- channels you can get. Save me forty quid, yeah. We do that for you. Are you sure? Yeah, la la la. So I got that changed, and literally a week later, I got a cold call trying to up upgrade my. Oh, we've just for every fifteen quid, you can. I literally just. 
downgraded. Why, why would I suddenly change a week after? <laughs> Upgrade again. So it's just, it's either they're not doing their research or they're just obviously just robots bloody doing the same phone calls. But that just annoyed me how it just seems like they don't really care who you are because they, they should have known that I just literally downgraded. Well, it should be on your notes, shouldn't it? It should be on your exactly. sort of client notes to say this man's just downgraded. For take, him off, take him off the list that's the, the phone call list to, to upgrade well, to new stuff. Or at least let him downgrade for a few months and then try and get him back on board. Don't, <laughs> not a week after. And you also had some problems with your, your Virgin Media Super Hub, which I fixed for you, didn't you? So you, you did, when you when well, you didn't fix it, but BT did. But well, you, uh, it was my suggestion. Uh, so when um, when you do get a Virgin Media Super Hub, which isn't very super, uh, and it it clearly even feels like a piece of plastic, um, and people get buffers and unreliable broadband. The only way to fix it, I found, was to invest £190 in a BT uh, whole home Wi-Fi system where you've got discs all yeah. around the house, which I've now got, and I haven't had a dropout since. So it proves here, my point. Proves my point that the, that the super hubs are terrible. Well, it proves your point that it took BT to make Virgin's Wi-Fi any good. Yeah, but I should do. I just get? Should we have just gone back and just got a BT system? I don't know, but uh, uh, I it because. It works now. I, got, I got the TV, got Wi-Fi, and then landline. And I, said, I, can't, I can't be doing hassle at my old age, mate. I just got to... Yeah, absolutely. Just how's, to your, how's your broadband, James? It's, I mean, you, you haven't cut out or anything yet, so it's pretty No, good. I, I, I haven't cut out. My, my broadband is it's kind of fine. It's okay-ish. As you, as you were talking, Rich, I thought the BBC in me was like, if I said that on Radio Bristol, I'd have to go... <laughs> We've approached Virgin Media for comments <laughs> and haven't heard back. But <laughs> no, my broadband is fine. <laughs> but I got the thing is, I got obviously got two. I got a sixteen-year-old and a twelve-year-old and a wife. They're obviously yeah demanding it. You have got laptops here, desktop machines here, Apple TVs here. Yeah, I mean it is busting at the seams, but at the moment, patch it's working perfectly. And also a really good. I mean, we're not sponsored by BT. If BT are listening, then yeah, feel yeah, free to get in touch. Um, but. Yeah, this 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 whole home Wi-Fi system is an app on the phone, and you can actually control each device that's connected to it, Rich, which is great for us with kids. That you can but, say, right, go turn off at eight, turn back on at yeah, six. Yeah, but my app, my app's played up recently, and when I do go to that app, it says it looks like you're not connected. But obviously, I am because oh, really? I can use I can use all the other stuff. So yeah, I, I need to I need to turn off all the discs and re get the app. But uh, okay, well yeah, you've let you've let you've let BT down now. Because uh, well, that's, like, that's no, a negative I, I got I got to be neutral, aren't I? I got to, I got to say the good things whilst the bad things. <laughs> Talking to children. BT, we we have approached BT for comment, um, but uh, they have declined to do so. Well, well, I'm sure if they send me one more disc. That that should work. So <laughs> brilliant. I still I still wait for somebody. I still wait for somebody to get to get me a garden office. I mean, not being funny. I, for the last few episodes, I've mentioned a garden office, and no one's come forward. Have they, Patch? Yeah, that's slightly different to a £170 router system. Is I'll pay for it. £10,000. I'm not spending it for free. I just want... Oh, you you never made that clear. You've never made that clear before. It was more of a, a beg for a free office in, in previous episodes. Well, that's how you start on it. You, ask for, you, start, <laughs> off, you start off with free, then you kind of negotiate. <laughs> just, oh, just, I just want it built in the day. I just want to get away from this kitchen table, which I've been here since March. Yeah, yeah fair play. So. Okay. Right, um, so that's uh, one segment. Another segment is Room of Doom, which is nothing like Room 101 for, for legal reasons. Um, but it's something that annoys you. It can be anything, a noise, a person, a place, anything. We've had 
uh, this is an episode 100 and what is it 149 rich i think i think it is 149 yes yeah 149 incidentally james episode 100 was scheduled to be recorded in the bbc studios in radio at radio bristol but uh, unfortunately covid scuppered that COVID got in the way. Uh, it's ruined so, everything, isn't it? <laughs> we're, we're working our way up to episode 200 uh, f- for that, I think, now. Uh, because well, yeah, we're, we even, went... we're even bringing our own microphones. Well, yeah. We yeah, exactly. Be. you got the equipment already. Yeah. Shouldn't have to. Shouldn't have to. Um, but, yeah, so we went on BBC Upload with Adam Crowther and went on a couple of times, actually, and the producer came in at the end because I just dropped it into conversation at the end. Oh, just, it'd be great to come in and record an episode here with all the with all the knobs and whistles and media being able to mute Rich and things like that. So uh, so she said, well, we can that, make that... That'd be a couple more knobs, wouldn't it? We can make that... <laughs> <laughs> we can make that dream come true to AKA for you. So uh, <laughs> that was the plan. But um, yeah, we're leading up to episode 200 now. Anyway, I digress. So Room of Doom. James, you get the general idea. You you give us something and then we all then vote. We can't vote for your own. So you have to pick me or Rick. Well, can I give you, can I give you two things? Uh, you not, It's not in the rules, but go for it. Okay. Well, the, the first thing, I don't think this is that controversial because about 50% of people seem to hate this thing. And that is just coriander which is the devil's work. <laughs> it is just the worst thing in the world. I don't understand why anyone would, and I'm not a fussy eater. I am really the polar, I will eat anything, bar coriander, which is just disgusting. Um, so it tastes of soap, it's rancid, I hate it. So that would be, but I don't think that's that controversial because I actually no, think about I, half, half of people think that way. I half know someone quite who, like it. I know someone who's got a, a really bad allergy to coriander. Really? And a lot of people just chop it up and stick it right in chop there, don't in. they? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I hate coriander. Um, the other thing, I think this might be more controversial. Um, the song We Are The Champions by Queen okay. is a terrible song and it gets played far too much. Anytime a football team wins, anytime there's any kind of sporting event they play with, and it's, it's just a dirty song. I mean, to be honest, um, I think the music of Queen generally is a bit overrated. They have got some great oh, songs. They are a great band. Patch is livid. Oh, I'm sorry. Dear. I was I on Desert is... Island Discs with Adam Crather. And oh. I, had, I, had, I had at least one or maybe even two Queen songs in there. But what are your thoughts on We Are The Champions? Because my argument would be, it is about the least interesting emotion, which is glory. No Glory is an emotion to sing about for music is not interesting. There's a reason most songs are about love or loss or heartbreak or something because they are relatable emotions. Now we hope at some point in our lives we can relate to glory, but it's not that interesting. It's not a complicated emotion. And it's it's also just a bit of an irritating one. We are the champions. Oh, just sod off. You know? Do you reckon they've written it knowing that they could just make royalties after royalties? Probably. A bit like, there's a lot of songs like that, like On a Day Like This by Elbow. I bet they knew when they were writing that, that could be a... you got obviously yeah. you got your, um, you got your um, Time My Life song from Dirty Dancing. They must have known that everyone's going to have that at their wedding. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Oh, and the actually, oh, I've, I think I thought of a song I hate even more than is it we're the champions is it let me guess mbop <laughs> no it's not it's not mbop <laughs> i don't mind that one too much i mean everyone goes they're not related no they're not related um but um no mr brightside the killers oh james come on i can't stop what I, is I, the appeal of this up until about three minutes ago i really liked you 
I know, <laughs> I know. Well, I've got to have some controversial opinions. And I just, it, I mean, it's come on on every night out I've been on for the last like 15 years. And and it yeah, just goes everything. off. Every, yeah. wedding, every wedding party with a tie around your head. It's all, yeah, yeah, but why? I know, I know where you're coming What's from. What's so good about it? I, I don't get it. I mean, there are some bangers. I absolutely accept there are some songs that come on in the club and you're like, yes, 100% I'll. But I don't understand what is good about it. It's just, dep- oh, no, I hate it. If we're going to slag off music, <laughs> El- <laughs> Elvis, Presley. On Elvis Presley was shit, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not being funny. He had ten blokes writing songs for him. He, just, he, just, he was just a good-looking bloke who just had a good voice. There's no, no talent. There's no talent involved. Well, you see, the thing is, I've got nothing against the Killers. Generally, I think they're a really good band. It's just um, Mr. Brightside. Okay. If you, notice, my... if you notice, if you notice Mr. Brightside as well, it's just two verses repeated. It's not even yeah, lazy, write, yeah, lazy even, songwriting, Rich. Yeah, they didn't even write a second verse. It's just the same again, <laughs> but in a, in a past tense. Right, so so James, pick one of the two. Which one you submit him? We are the champions or coriander? We're the champions. Okay, so my rumor do mentory, James Hansen. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> <Hansen's music taste. laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Okay, so um I think yeah. you're vetoing that one, aren't you? <laughs> so mine is has happened to me several times recently, and it's Make, when when you <laughs> When you read out a number, like a credit card number or a debit card number on the phone to someone and you start reading the, the four, first four digits, I'm not going to read my debit card number, so don't panic, but four, five, six, seven, and then you just about start to read the next number and they repeat what you've just said. So it completely, you have to go back to the start again. And it, it happens on so many occasions or when, when you're giving someone a telephone number or something. They, there's there's that that misunderstanding of of, of when someone's going to talk and when someone needs to be quiet. So that's happened a number of times, and it, it's also a bit like when when you miss a call from someone and then you or a, a call cuts out and you phone them back and they're phoning you back at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. It's that that misunderstanding. It's the etiquette yeah. around a fo- reading out a number, and it it's very hard to encapsulate that into a into a phrase. I hear you because you you should wait until you've finished your number, and if you then need to check it, you can then say, "Okay, let me check. I've got that right. Here's your number." Hundred percent. Not midway through. 100%. I don't know what you, I don't know what you think about this as well. With um, reading out, say for me, telephone numbers. To me, it should be four three four. You know, you know, it's like what ten digits yet. Yeah? Oh yeah. It should, be, yeah. it should be the first four, then a three, then the last four. Well, some, people like, mix it, some people mix it up with the first three, then the next five. So when you're reading out your, your landline number, which I haven't had a, la- a landline for a number of years, but it was 0117932 instead of 01179. Yeah. Well, yeah. A, 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 the reason for that is 01179 isn't a code. <laughs> you, know when you, you know when you see like trade lines? Yeah. 0272 <laughs> before, no, wasn't it? But when, no, but when you see a trade lorry, like Mr. Plummer, it say 01179 and then so people who live outside Bristol might be dialing 01179. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Out in the code. But yeah, but my no, my mobile phone number, for example, could be 0777-123-4567. Don't go 077 Don't Don't jumble it up. But it depends sometimes because we have this with like the number we give out on air on Radio Bristol because we, we have a way of saying it. So our number is 08000. 
94.9. And we have to say 94.9, not 9.49. And that's partly because our FM frequency yeah. is 94.9. So if you say 94.9, it's yeah, that's kind of, allowed. Yeah, it's like, a, it's like a jingle. Um, but does that, does that work in your, your kind of spacing, Rich? 08000, 855, 94.9? Yeah, I think that kind of, I think what well, it is, I think because I'm, say someone says, oh, here's my number. I'm expecting them to give me a certain amount of numbers each time. Yeah. And it, and it kind of throws me if they throw in like, but of course with Bristol, so if you're saying 0117 comes first, of course that's four digits for Bristol. Whereas yeah. if you're North Somerset, it's 01275, that's five digits. So immediately you've changed the pattern depending I think on where I you mean, live. I think, I mean, I think I'm thinking more of mobile phone oh, lines yeah, okay. rather than yeah. landlines. Yeah. Right, Rich, what have you got for us? Uh, mine is Patch uh, and James mine is... Patch. is... <laughs> Um, yeah, well, you, you pick James in. I'll pick you in. I've won by default. There'll be no one left. People either waiting on a bus stop. Obviously, you're waiting on a bus stop, waiting for the bus. It tells you how long it's going to be. Or putting your stuff down the the cash, no, the Audi Blade conveyor belt, wherever you are. And it's not until they ask you, it's not until they tell you how much it is, you then delve in and get your purse out. Get your purse out ready. Not at any point did you think it's going to be free. So why, why are you surprised? Why are you suddenly getting your purse out? Oh, can I have a um, single to time, please? Uh, that's five pound. Oh, and then they delve into their purse. You've never gone to your it's purse, It's mainly you? women. It's mainly women. You've never, but, got, <laughs> you've never got your purse out once. Well, no, but <laughs> but also, yeah, when you're throwing your stuff down Audi, have, 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 your, have your card ready or have, have your purse I'm ready. with you every step of the way, Rich. Why are they waiting? Yeah. Like, is it, why are they waiting for an invite to get your purse out? But I'll tell you what, these are the same people who when you go shopping if you're on an escalator they will stop at the top of the escalator particularly if they're in like a department store to to check which department they're going to so they'll just stop at the top of the escalator ignoring yeah. the fact they've got a chain of people move and then work out where menswear is or they got this or they got the same bus every day and still ask where it goes oh do you, yeah. get, do you go to bristol i know yeah. much it yeah. is yeah you've been on here the last five weeks yeah <laughs> what's your thoughts yeah. guys on people who still use coins Cash. Go um, for, rich. I, haven't used, I haven't used cash for a while. In fact, not having cash is quite a hindrance sometimes because when my daughters say, say they want to go out and they need, they need a couple of quid to get some lunch, I haven't got any cash. Yeah, but surely you've got the, given them a Monzo card with a prepaid amount of money on it by now. Or Revolut or something like that. Are you advertising? You've got like a free card on the oh, way. Okay, yeah, maybe. <laughs> no, honestly, one's, one's 12 year old. If I give her a card, She'd come back with a week shopping, I think. Because uh, <laughs> why can't kids go out and just go out? Well, they got to have, uh, well, they got to buy like a liter of Coke, uh, two two brain knickers, not just one. They got liter of roller cola, a full packet of popcorn. I don't know. Can't just go out anymore, can they, kids? It's the same okay. people who go to cinemas and can't can't do that about having a bucket of Coke and a. James, feast. you've got to have a segment on your show at some point soon about cashless society pros and cons. Well, we, yeah, it's a really good point. And actually, a lot of places in Bristol now are going cashless. A lot of the, I think there's a bar on King Street, it's like a Craftdale place um, that's gone cashless. Um, and it is happening. I mean, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because there's something quite nice about paying in cash still. I mean, you know, we will probably in 20 years time be reminiscing and going, remember the old 2p piece? Remember when you could get a Freddo for 10p? And we had a 10p piece and you could get a little Freddo. You know, we'll be saying all that. I um, guess with cash, you can, at least you can see how much you're spending. Yeah. And also... So, so you can if you've got an app on your phone, Rich. Yeah, but once you have like 10 points patch, you ain't looking at that app, are you? 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. And you need a quid to, to operate the supermarket trolley. Although a lot of people have those little coins yeah, you can I stick in. But I, 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 don't, I don't have one. Key ring thing. Yeah. Or you could just, I think you can just use, is it either, is either three or two 20 pence pieces stacked on oh, top of each you? other? I, think I, I, haven't, got, I haven't got those either, though. So. Well, just, you've got two kids with money, uh, piggy banks. Yeah. Don't use them. They never notice. I'll just put a debit card in it. All <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Okay. So, um, Rich, what was yours? People who wait till the last minute to get their money out. Okay. Even, um, though, they, even though they know they got they got to pay, it's not it's not a do- shock, is it? Dawdlers in a supermarket. I'm going to call that. Uh, James is was we are the champions, <laughs> and mine is uh, etiquette when reading out a number to someone on the phone. <laughs> nice, nice and succinct. Okay, so James, out of the two, uh, me and Rich, which one are you going to go for? I've got to say, Patch, and this is not because you tried to put me in the room of doom. I, I do actually relate to riches more. It happens all the time. I think I think it's people who, who don't have their cash ready or their okay. money ready in the supermarket queue. Well, and you've just given Rich this week's room of doom because I can't vote for you um, with with Queen. We are the champions. So, so Rich, uh, tell me who you would have voted for. Well, only, I'll only vote for yours loosely because I've changed it by with my version of it by reading out the phone number in the right order. So okay. I think mine covers yours, doesn't it? Okay, fine. So, yeah, I could vote for you, safe in the knowledge that I've won. Thank you. Rich, you are this week's winner. Congratulations. It's not the first time you said that. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It is more can than I, um, you. So now I've won that, I can go and play Queen's We Are The Champions. Yeah, so, go and stick you, it You on. can! That would be the perfect way to end it. Go and play We Are The Champions. Yeah. I've now tasted that emotion of glory. <laughs> it's a great song, isn't it? It is. And and when it was played when we won the double a few years back, Rich, we are the champions. It was the first time we'd heard it for ourselves, I guess. Well, maybe James, you're lucky that Liverpool don't win very often because they, they you obviously you would have heard that song well, loads of times in the last yeah, well, few years. But the, the thing is, Liverpool have some in... great songs. Why why would you choose that as being the song that blares out? You've got Universal. You've got, you've Universal. You've, oh, it's dreadful. It's dreadful. It really is. <laughs> What's your favorite so song? So unoriginal as well. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I know my favorite song. I like Wichita Line Man, Glen Campbell. Okay, okay. It's my favorite song, I think. Have you played that on the radio? I have. It's not on our playlist these days very much. It's, if it's it a was bit on your playlist, school. though, you, you might have played it too much and then you might not like it as much. Who knows? That is true. That is true. How, um, much, how, how much say do you get in the playlist? Or is it just ba- basically none? Um, basically none, um, because they 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 understand that if you, I mean, I love uh, like disco music and stuff like that. Uh, so I suppose Glen Campbell's a bit of a change from that. But um, yeah, if 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 the Breakfast Show on Radio Bristol just played Donna Summer and Glen Campbell, you might after a while get a bit bored. So you do need someone who can go. You know what? This is a this is a better sample of what. Our average listener wants to listen to not what's, just your disco music. What's Glenn's big one? I can't remember. Rhinestone Cowboy. Like yeah. Galveston, he did. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, before we come into our final segment, which is recommendations, so Netflix, Amazon Prime, Apple Plus, Disney, it's all there. Um, how are you finding the early starts, James? How, how long has it been now? It's been uh, pretty much two months now because I started first week of January. So almost the end of February now. So yeah, eight weeks, I think I've been doing it. Um, 
Yeah, to be honest, I am surprised by how quickly my body has adjusted. I mean, I have throughout my entire career done shifts, basically, been on different shifts every day. Um, and, you know, maybe been on an early shift one day, then a late shift the next. So just to have a regular shift is lovely. I mean, yeah, when the alarm goes off at 10 to 4, I'm not going to lie, it is painful. And they always say this, doesn't matter how long you do it for, it never gets any easier. But you just adjust, you know, you go to bed earlier. I mean, I eat so early these days. I used to, you know, have my, you know, if I was doing like a nine to five shift, I'd eat at like eight, half eight in the evening. But now I'm eating at like half five, six. Um, but it doesn't feel weird because my body is ready to eat by then. And then I go to bed at eight, eight, thirty, nine, mm. up, at, up at 10 to four, four-ish. And, and you just get used to it. Well, at least uh, for next month onwards, it'd be a bit better in the mornings, wouldn't it? That is true. Although the downside is, I think, it's easier to go to bed early when it's dark and it's locked down. Mm. But when it's summer and, you know, your mates at the pub going, oh, it's a lovely evening. We're in the beer garden. Come out for a drink. That will be the tricky bit. That's if I'm still doing it, by then, but who knows? <laughs> yeah. And, and it must be make it a whole lot easier when you're bouncing into work, doing a job you love. Oh, massively. I mean, you know. It's better than working for a living. It, it is, you know, you do feel like a complete fraud sometimes because it is just a brilliant job to have. And yes, it, it has its tough days. And like any job, you know, it's not all sweetness and light. There are difficult days and there are days when, you know, it can be boring or stressful or whatever it may be. But the nine times out of 10, it is just an absolute privilege to do because, you know, you're in a warm, cozy studio playing music you like, chatting to interesting people. And I mean, it is. It is a real privilege to be on it, and and I I love it. I do genuinely love it. Mm, fantastic. Fair play. Fair play. Yeah, fair play too. And it's nice to be able to talk to you, James, for a little bit longer than our usual chats. I know. I just get going, and then you're like, okay, thanks for chatting with us, Patch. We'll uh, be back after the you know, break. With <laughs> that's the problem, with, and especially with the breakfast show, because like a breakfast show has to be quite pacey because like people are getting up and about. So you've got quite a lot to get through, mm. and so. And then that's one of the downsides sometimes is that, you know, sometimes it's really nice to, to explore a subject and, and like have a proper chat with someone because it can be a bit superficial. Sometimes you feel like you're just scratching the surface of, you know, uh, an issue. But um, I, can imagine, why, yeah, I can imagine when Patch is on there, I can imagine he's slowly trying to bring it around to the Patch Warner show. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Not at all. No, I've got to say, you're always, you are always good value whenever you're on patch. And uh, <laughs> put it this way, we, we wouldn't have you on as often as we do if we, if we didn't enjoy having you on. No, and, and that is one of the reasons why we started the bonus show, because we, myself and Matt Withers would, would go on Sound of the City or phone up, uh, he, we'd get a call after the show. Um, and yeah, we have just so much to say. And obviously Jeff's yeah. got to get through the calls. So um, yeah. it, we, we, we now speak for 45 minutes to an hour, at least about, about the game. And uh, in recent games where it's, where it's been so terrible, we've actually found that it's been great to talk and talk it through. And we actually yeah. had some comments today on our Twitter, in all seriousness, that people that have been suffering real mental health problems have listened to the bonus show podcast and obviously with City doing so bad, it's not helped them in their current situation. And and they've said it like therapy. So, mm. you know, that makes it all worth it for me. Um, just to sort of turn on a serious note. Yeah, well, I think I think podcasts have been for so many people in the last year, a lifeline because it, it's it's companionship. And, and when you're not um, able to maybe see the people you'd normally be able to see, 
you know, you, you feel like you know the people who host mm. your regular podcasts and stuff like that, and you, you get to know them. And, and it's like eavesdropping on a couple of mates. Um, so I think they've been a massive lifeline to people in the last year in particular. And it's been great. It's been great for us as well. It's kept us really busy. Um, we've we've had interviews with people who we might not be able to do, um, you know, because everyone's you know not as busy and and available on fantastic, you know, technology like Zoom that we're using right now. So uh, yeah, it, it has been great, Rich, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I echo that. It's easier to just send out a message with the, the code than it is trying to get you together in a you know, stick of the art back room or your house, my house. And yeah, mm. it's an easy way to do it. No one's got to move. No one's got to leave the comfort of their house. But I'd, we will I'd, have to at one I'd, I'd at hate some to point. In, I'd hate to be in peace and quiet away from the wife and kids, but I love, <laughs> I love being disturbed on a regular basis. Well, so we have got um, a, a setup in here, Rich, that hopefully come, what, May, June time, we'll be able to get back together and, and, and do this with either a guest with us or a guest yeah. on Zoom. Um, because... It is much easier when when we are in the same place and you can bounce off of each other a lot easier. Um, and yeah, it, we we sort of have, have got started to use like hand signals and moving away from the microphone instead of just Rich just button him like he would do before. Um, so yeah, it, it, it will return, but maybe will there be a blend of both? Last segment that we're going to do is recommendations. Everyone is watching Netflix, Amazon Prime, and all those good things more and more. Um, so let's start with you, James. What have you been watching? Are you a big TV watcher? Yeah, I am. I am a fair bit. I um, yeah, I go through phases of kind of watching loads, and then phases when I'm just like watching random YouTube videos and not really watching anything big. But I watched um, I watched The Serpent recently. I don't know if oh, you've yeah. heard of that on. Uh, iPlayer. It's about. Um, it's based on on a real story, a horrific story about a bloke who basically went round Southeast Asia killing Western travellers, so kind of like gap year traveller type people, wow. and and getting away with it because it was the seventies and there wasn't the technology, and he was able to travel between borders and change his identity, and he would use the passports of the tourists he would kill to travel between countries, and. Um, terrifying and, and really disturbing but gripping um so um that was very good um and i'm really just waiting for series six of line of juicy now ah uh, nice yeah the wife's gone back for the whole back catalogue she's starting again just to refresh her memory it's, it's great it really is go on then rich what have you got um I think, well i don't know if you you got disney plus patch yeah, yeah 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 obviously you're aware that star joined yesterday yeah so what, what was that offer me i never 200 films and a few original series made by star i'm, I'm going through it yet so okay that's my that's my next thing at the minute i'm watching this old thing but i is new to me uh the travel man with richard how do you pronounce it richard adewadi where his name is Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, doing, I know what you mean. doing city break, forty-eight hours in a different city around Europe, with a, a fellow comedian, like a different comedian each episode. So uh, oh, so he's, he's doing one with, with Stephen Merchant, hasn't he? Yeah, Stephen Merchant was good. Uh, yeah. I've watched Steve Mangan, um, Kathy Burke's good. Ah. Uh, um, Bob Mortimer went to they went to Hamburg. You mentioned Kathy Burke. I'll tell you what's on iPlayer at the moment. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Yeah, yeah. I watched the first episode of that last week. I did as well, and I forgot how good it was. Yeah, they couldn't get away with it a lot of it now. Absolutely think, fantastic. What's the guy's name? Richard? Uh, James Dreyfus is James the Dreyfus. actor. But, uh, yeah. Oh, that, oh, is, that, that yeah, is that, that was genius. 
but yeah, um, Travel Man is over on all four, or you can find it on Amazon Prime. Because okay. I think it's a cha- I think it's an E4 program, so it's on all four and Amazon Prime. Okay. Only a half, right. about, what, about a half hour, 25 minutes of, you can see how good a city is, and they're quite funny as well. The one that we're watching at the moment is uh, season two of The Bay on ITV. Um, I can't tell you the the the, the actor's name, but you would recognise them. Is that English? Set, is that British? Or yeah, set in Morecambe, so it's a it's a bit Line of Duty ish. So you reckon for the, uh, you're waiting for the second series then, right? It's the second season has just started. Second yeah, series, yeah, yeah. season um, series. And I'm on, I think episode. four four so i think there's episode six still to come but uh yeah if you get on that now obviously you can watch the, all of season one and almost all of season two so what's uh, the synopsis what's it about uh so it's, it's not just like howard's way is it about yachting <laughs> that's the summer wine um no it just follows this this female detective um and she gets herself into a bit of bother the first in the first season and uh, season and yeah so it, it it's it's a story she gets herself to bother and it's it's a it's a who done it basically throughout except the second season you you see you see who done it straight straight away what, like a Columbo I used to love Columbo remember Columbo oh Columbo's great they, saw, they're still on in the afternoon on yeah, ITV you, you, saw, you literally saw who did it and you oh it's, it's genius oh, the whole working's out the whole working's out. They think they got away with it for a minute, and then he, the famous catchphrase, just one more thing. Just one final thing. My wife uh, right, James, what's coming up on the breakfast show tomorrow? Uh, tomorrow we have a hamster. Okay, talk about <laughs> verge of partridge. We have a hamster that has become the first hamster in the country to ever receive a blue pizza badge. Oh my god! It wasn't. It wasn't once owned by Richard Gere, was it? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was not. Uh, it's, it's actually quite a sweet story because it's owned by um, a uh, woman in Western Superman who's 20 but has quite severe kind of learning disabilities. And the hamster has been like a massive support for her wow. during like lockdown. And she wrote off to Blue Peter and said, Look, my hamster Treacle has been oh, brilliant right. for me in the last year. So Treacle now has a Blue Peter badge. And in fact, today I think Marcus Rashford got a Blue Peter badge <laughs> because of his. Um, obviously he's campaigning and everything and yeah. um, so forget about Marcus Rashford we've got a hamster in Western Super Mare that has one well I should be tuning in for that definitely yeah <laughs> <laughs> do you do that do you do this the 6am club that uh, Emma did no I don't I don't do that um, only because you know you try to make things subtly different do your own I mean, thing yeah do your own thing I mean the things we've kind of changed about the show ever so slightly we play a little bit more music we play music a bit earlier from we play music between six and seven and then eight thirty and 10. And there's various complex reasons why we, we don't play music between seven and half eight, mm. but we've also, we do, we've got a new quiz in the last hour. We do now, uh, where in the West, which is basically, can you guess where it is in the West? But it, oh, it, yeah, goes, it goes bonkers. I mean, honestly, the number of calls we get, they just, they <laughs> love it. And they they all start cheating now because they're all there like Google searching your clues and getting their maps out and all that kind of stuff. But we, we don't mind too much. Well, if you ever need a, a ranter and a, and a straight talker, then we're always up for it. But uh, James, thank you so much for coming on. As I said, it's been a pleasure to chat to you for, for longer longer than a few minutes. And uh, Rich, any final words from you? No, I can only thank James for his uh, time to give us. And his, no, it's time for bed soon, James. So uh, I know, I it's know. Been a great been a... chat. It's been a great chat. Be off to bed soon. But no, honestly, Rich, perhaps thank you so much. It's been, it's been lovely being on. 
Take care. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Listen, share, and subscribe, and we'll be back soon. Take care. Good night. Crashing.